I've really enjoyed pressing in to see the person of Peter. So Peter shows up in the Bible. He's a cool guy. Um, I'm going to do this interactively. Where does he show up the first time, Peter Barnes? Where does he show up? Where does Peter show up for the first time in the Bible? Fishing. Very good. Well done. And what was the tagline? Jesus said, come and come and see. Come and see. And follow me. Yeah. And he'll make you a fisher of men. Awesome passage. Then, who's going to tell me, where else do we see Peter? And we sung about it tonight. Walking on water. Very good, Amanda. So what happened? He he was the courageous guy in the boat that saw some crazy dude walking on the water when it's going mental. So fishermen aren't usually afraid in the ocean, but these guys were genuinely afraid. So it must have been really bad. Okay? It's not some still water that he's just like He'd probably like running over the top of waves. I don't know. But it's a rough sea, right? Like it's not some little tranquil kind of This is like you know, full on. Anyway, Jesus is out there and Peter says, if it's really you, ask me to come out to you. What a bold statement Peter has. I'd love to be like Peter. I'd love to have that courage. Jesus, if you're really in this, call me out. Call me out into the water. We love that song. But I love it. I love it. I love it. And what does he do? He fixes his eyes on Jesus. He's doing all right. And then he starts to notice the wind and the waves, and then what happens? Blub, blub, blub. He starts to sing. Jesus picks him up. Yeah, I love that story. That one will preach. Um, Peter, courageous guy. Out of 12 guys chosen to be with Jesus, he's one that goes, God, call me out. Call me out onto the water. Pretty courageous bloke. I love him. So I did a message, I'm not sure if it was at night or in the morning, about how Jesus disciples us through invitation and challenge. So he's invited him to come, come and see, and I'll make you a fisher of men. Come, there's this invitation in this discipleship relationship between Jesus and Peter, and then there's this challenge, walk on water. That he fails, but Jesus picks him up, and he sends the twelve out to go and preach the gospel, dust their feet off when people don't agree, like and if they're not people of peace, you know. And then we see Peter again when they're talking about the kingdom of God, and Jesus has the guys together, and then he says, who do people say I am? Some say, hey, you're John the Baptist, you know, and then prophet, Elijah. But then, he looks down, and he goes, no, who do you say that I am, and what does Peter say? Danny, who do I say? Yeah. And then he goes on to say, you are right. Cephas, And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome you. So Peter, he renames himself, uh, Jesus renames Simon, who we're talking about, he renames him Peter and Peter means rock and then he says, and on this rock I will build my church. We've talked about this one, the rock is the proclamation of Jesus Christ being Lord. It's not on Peter necessarily, okay? But you know what? When you look at the, the original language, it's Petros and Petra. They're cut of the same jib. They're cut of the same rock. Okay? Jesus is saying, come, follow me, and on this rock, on this massive rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. 
Peter is seen as somebody who can join in with the proclamation of the gospel. What an amazing challenge. But what an amazing invitation. Yes, you're right. And on that, you'll be able to build the church, the kingdom of God, and the gates of hell are going to be wishing they never saw you. Wow. Wouldn't you like that to have that said about you? Yeah. The gates of hell. They're going to wish they never saw you. Wow. And then we see him later on. Then what do we see? He has a bit of a disappointment here. What, what happened? Come on. What happened to Peter? He denied Jesus how many times? Three times. And he said, no, surely not I, surely not I. He goes, yep, before the rooster crows. And then it happened. <laughs> that was a nice little rooster. Um, challenged, huh? Big time. He said he wasn't going to do it. He still did it. Massive. And the way it's portrayed in the, in the um, Matthew movie, I kind of like, he's sobbing against this wall in this dark room. I don't know if you've seen the Matthew version of the, the gospel, the video, but he's sobbing in this room and just unconsolably because he's realised he's done the very thing that he wished he'd never done. He said he wasn't going to do it. He said he wasn't going to deny Jesus, and yet he does. Even to a young eight-year-old girl, he denies Jesus. But then, that's not the end of the story, praise God. When does Peter see Jesus again? Think about it. When does he see Jesus again? After the resurrection, yeah. In the room. Somehow he magically appears in the room to the disciples. The doors were locked. And somehow Jesus got in. It's a tricky one. Okay, some people say, "Oh, our resurrected bodies." Do they mean that we can, like, you know, float through things and stuff? And I'm like, "No, I believe they'll be real bodies." But yeah, the laws of physics. Anyway, we won't go there one tonight. I believe in the bodily resurrection. I'll just put that one on note. Get that one on tape. Bodily resurrection. Um, but um, disbelief. But he believed. And then later on, Jesus appeared to him. He was out fishing again. They invited him back. He said, come boys, come, come in. And they're coming in. And then they're eating fish, bodily resurrection. Jesus was eating fish. And then Peter, he says, you love me. Yep. Feed my sheep. You love me. Feed my sheep. You love me. Feed my sheep. Three times. Resurrection. Restoration. It's beautiful. It's the gospel. There really is. It's the gospel in a, in a, in a person working out, being challenged, being invited into this relationship with God and working with that, being disappointed and falling short, but yet being restored. It's gospel. It really is. It's resurrection. What does Peter do from there? I've loved reading Acts while I've been away. I've loved it. So Peter, he goes in Acts 1 and he goes in amongst the brothers and they're hanging out and they're told, wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Chapter 2, they're waiting in the upper room. The Holy Spirit comes on the disciples. Boom. How does it appear? As a tongue of fire. Has anybody thought what that might look like? Just quietly. It's kind of weird. And who knows if it's a tongue, if it's on fire. Who knows what it is. Oh, I try and imagine I'm there. A tongue of fire. Oh, all right, 
I'll shut up. But I was giving him my tongue wings. Like, fly down. I don't know. Um, yeah. Falls on them, and then they all start speaking in other tongues. Pretty weird. They start speaking in other tongues, and then there's all these different people in Jerusalem for, for a festival, and they all speak these different languages, and they're hearing about the resurrection of Jesus Christ in their own tongue from people who've never described or even spoken in that language before. Pretty cool. And it goes without saying, 5,000 men plus women and children believed when Peter stepped up and preached the first sermon of the New Testament that we have recorded. And he preached a doozy. He preached it hard. And then in Acts chapter 2, it's just phenomenal. And then Peter then, he's walking with his boys. He's with John. And this is where I'm going to come to in in, in Acts chapter 3. I better turn it on first. Um, He's walking with his best mate John. And they go, well, what do we do now? We... We, we've seen Jesus. We've received this power. Well, let's go to the synagogue. Let's go and try and reason with the brothers and the sisters. and Let's try and let them see that there is resurrection power in the name of Jesus. That this Jesus is phenomenal. They're filled with the Spirit and they've got this power to declare who Jesus is. And so they're going along and they see with Jesus' eyes in this, oh, come on, Brad, don't give it away. All right. One day, Peter and John, so this is what happened next. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time to pray. It was about three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. So hopefully it was a nice looking gate. Beautiful gate, right? But he was getting carried there every day by people to beg for arms, to beg for and then where he was put every day to beg for those who were going into the temple courts so people are walking past him every day when he saw Peter and John about to enter the gate he asked them for money please sir, do I have some more? he had no legs please, money but then in this story you're not sure whether he's looking at people or not as they're walking past, he's kind of just, money, money. And then what happens? Peter looked straight at him. This verse just leapt off the page at me. Somebody who people walk past every single day. You heard my asylum seekers message the other day. Somebody who walks past somebody every single day and doesn't notice them. But this time, Peter filled with the Spirit of God, discipled by the living God, Jesus, in flesh, is walking around going, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Walks past this lame guy, and look, he looked straight at him. Didn't look around him. Sometimes when I've looked at homeless people, I'll be really honest, I look at the sign, because usually they're fairly humorous, they can write some good signs when you walk past the people in like sort of town hall and that. They're kind of humorous. Um, but I don't look in their eyes. I'll be honest. I, I just haven't. I've been, oh, you know, oh, Brad, in my head, you know what? I, I give money to the Salvation Army whenever I see it. They look after the poor in the name of Jesus. You know, that's where we give our money for the homeless. So I have an account for a name. Is that good enough reason? Challenge me about it later. But 
I don't particularly go and give money to poor, like homeless people. I used to until I learnt the hard way. And then I realised in my own conscience there was other ways of helping homeless people. That's just me personally. Operate under your own conviction. I've taken homeless guys out for dinner. Probably like you guys too. So I'm not adverse to that. Anyway, all that being prefaced, he looked straight at him. I find it hard to look straight at homeless people. Let alone somebody who's lame. Now I'm making sure I look at everybody in the eyes. But Peter looked straight at him. And as did John. They looked straight at this guy who was begging them for money. And then Peter had to say this. Look at us. They've had this gaze. So the man gave them his attention. They're looking at each other in the face expecting them to give them something, right? And then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have and don't race off in your brain. Think about this. Silver and gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I will give you. Does Peter have something worth more than gold and silver? Yes! He's so conscious of it, he does. And he goes, silver and gold, I don't have it, but what I do have, I'm going to give you. Are you ready for it? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. I don't have silver and gold, but what I have is worth way more than silver and gold. I have been given authority under heaven to release the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, there is no sickness. There is no pain. There is no crying. In the kingdom of God, there is forgiveness. Not guilt. In the kingdom of God, there is healing and resurrection. Are you getting where I'm coming from? He he knew it. He experienced it. And he said, I don't have money on me but I have something worth greater than that. Walk. How awesome is that? Who'd like to be like that? Oh man, I'm blown away. I love just to be walking with God and my mates and then suddenly you catch someone's eye and go, I don't have any money. Walk. Ah, Wouldn't that be stellar? I mean, is that worth more money? Is that worth more than gold and silver? That authority is. But the first question is, you've got to know who you are. You've got to know your authority, don't you? You've got to know what you're here for. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He put action on it. And then he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping. Pretty cool for a guy who's been lame from birth, eh? And praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same one who'd been sitting begging beside the gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, do you think Peter and John orchestrated this on their own account? 
No. They're just going, hey, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. What are we going to do? Let's go to the temple to reason with our brothers. And you'll see this is part of Peter's evangelism, not Paul's. Peter's. He goes to synagogues and wrestles with the Jews. That's just one of the things he does because he ends up staying in Jerusalem for quite a while, Peter. And he ends up dying there, upside down. Anyway, he's, he's a full-on guy. He's a full-on brother. And he here is going, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to take the same courage that I did to walk on the water. I'm going to build that same church. God said, heaven's going to cringe, or hell's going to cringe when they see me. I'm going to do that Fisher and Men thing that he talked about. I know the gospel at work in my life. I have seen my life. I've done things wrong against him and I've been restored by him. I'm going to go and do that for other people. And they're walking, going to the temple. He looks at somebody. And then he asks them to look at him. And he sees as a divine moment. And then he asks him for money. And he goes, I don't have any money. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. My first point, I guess, is in the kingdom of God, you know who you are. In my, my, when I was younger, I used to think, oh, who I am is I'm, I'm English. So on my, um, my dad's a pom, if you didn't catch that. So on my, um, my pencil cases, I used to have surfy pencil cases at school because I thought they were cool, like ocean and earth ones and stuff. They're, they're not cool now. People don't use pencils anymore in school. These iPads. Anyway, but, um, I used to have this pencil case and on the back of it, I'd, I'd graffiti this pom and proud. Pom and Proud. And I used to talk about the cricket as if I was English and talk about English Premier League soccer and all this sort of stuff and go, yeah, I'm Pom, yeah, I'm Proud, yeah, you know. Yes. The Pom people are proud, but they've just um, been knocked off their little, yeah, five meal, mate, it's good, anyhow. But, um, yeah, but they keep reminding us the last five years. Um, yeah, I used to be, have confidence in who I was. But then I thought, you know what, I'm Aussie. And I got my first car. And it was a Ford Meteor, dodgy little Ford Meteor, four-cylinder. I drove it around for 12 months. My brother got his license. He had it one day and he wrecked it. So I said, I'm not sharing a car with you anymore. We split ways. We got money. I ended up buying a Holden. Confess. I bought a Holden Rodeo single cab ute. And I thought, you know what? This This is the ant's pants. I'm Aussie, you see. I'm an Aussie guy, and Aussie guys drive utes. And so I got in the ute, and it was only a single cab, and I got uh, four six-by-nines in the back, and I'm like, yeah, this is sweet. And so I'm pumping my music like industrial kind of, and growling kind of music. Yeah, I'm Aussie, yeah, yeah. Drive through Parramatta. Yeah! Just being an idiot. Because you can take the stuff off the back of a single cab ute and you can do little doughies like really easily and you can, fl- no, no you can't, fling the back end out. Um, James, Mackay. Um, you know, I, I thought, oh you know, like growing up in Chester Hill where I was living, there was this sense of, oh, there's a lot of Middle Eastern and Asian people and you're kind of like, oh but I'm Aussie, what does it mean to be Aussie? Oh, we've got to go to Gallipoli, or oh, I don't know. We saluted Anzac Day, we go to the Anzac Day, sir. 
Oh, we buy a ute. I've got to buy a ute. And, uh, but you know what? I had the pastor's son in the car one night after church. We, it was wet and we decided to go to Macca's afterwards. And um, I came out of a roundabout and I dropped the clutch in second. And I was like, whoa! And I'm like, whoa! And it started to slide a bit too much. And stupid me pressed the brake there, which just spun me crazy around, smashed into the gutter, smashed through a fence, and I'm sitting in someone else's front yard, and I've got the pastor's son in the front seat. And I'm like, oh, nuts. And I wrote that rodeo off, didn't I? I wrote it off. And then God taught me a lesson. I had to drive a white auto Corolla after he let me get a car. Anyway, but thanks, Lord. Uh, Delica now. Uh, that's good. Um, but I thought, you know, I'm an Aussie. That's just what Aussies do. And then I went, oh, no, 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 there's more to this than that. You know what? You're a son of Jesus. And during 2000 Olympics, it was one of the first times I started to realise who I was in Christ. Because I had to go out in the streets in Parramatta and share my faith at the Olympics time. And while other people chose to volunteer for the Olympics, it was awesome. I chose with a bunch of mates to go and walk the streets of Parramatta every single day and talk about Jesus and hand out the Gospels of Mark. More than gold, Gospels of Mark. And I'll tell you what, it made me realise who I was in Christ. And that I didn't have answers for some people's questions. But something happened. Something clicked. Ah, this feels like the right kind of water. I'm meant to be swimming in. You know, I'm I'm a fish trying to walk on land. Like, it doesn't work. Evolution. (laughs) It doesn't work. You know, like, I'm a fish in water talking about Jesus. Why? Because in his name I've received everything I could ever have wanted in life. I've received love. I've received forgiveness. I've received his grace. He's taken me up and he's given me a purpose for life. He set my feet upon a rock. And he's the rock. And he's given me so much peace that I don't even have to worry about what my life is going to be like. And you're probably going to hear a sermon like a little bit like this on the process of discipleship next Sunday morning. But right now I'm in this place of, God, you've given each and every single one of us authority in the name of Jesus. But you know what? I keep looking at the wind and the waves and falling down. I keep looking at it. And I don't like it. Peter, just after he preaches this stuff, after he does this this amazing healing, he then gets dragged away in front of the Sanhedrin. And they want to talk to him because all these people are starting to make fuss about, about this guy who's now walking. And they're starting to go, he's talking about resurrection. You'll see in the end of this chapter 3. Starting to talk about resurrection. What's going on here? And then they drag him before the Sanhedrin in chapter 4. And Peter, what was he filled with? Pentecost. Filled with the Spirit. Said to the same guys who Jesus appeared in front of. Who sentenced Jesus to death. Are you getting me? Pentecost has just happened. This is almost 50 days later. He is filled with so much courage and boldness. Now the Spirit of God is in front of him and in him. He's before the same guys who sentenced Jesus to death. Pick that one up. And filled with courage 
but given to him by the Holy Spirit. He says, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the peoples of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified. You get what he's saying? 50 days later, he's going, you crucified him. It is by this name whom you crucified and God raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed. What courage. What boldness. Where do we see this? Call me out upon the wall. If that's really you, Jesus, call me out to be amongst you. You know what, guys? This guy who was healed, the first thing I'm going to tell you is he's healed by the same guy you guys killed. So you're going to try and stop this guy, Jesus? Man, you can't. The gates of hell can't stop Jesus. He's coming. And he's about to explode all over the place. No matter what kind of persecution Nero is going to throw at them, the gospel and the kingdom of God is going to be shared. Your Christ raised from the dead and stands before you healed. And Jesus said this. I love it. Peter says this about Jesus. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected. Now, for some of you good Baptists, we think of 1 Peter 2, okay? We're like, you know, the cornerstone, that's Jesus, right? And the stone the builders rejected became the capstone, the cornerstone. Which in the original language is actually the same word. Jesus is cornerstone and capstone. He's beginning and end. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. He's a builder now in Salvation's Army. He said, you rejected him? But now he has become the cornerstone. Jesus. Not, not money. Not power. Not Pharisees and religiousness. They haven't got the power. Jesus has the power and the authority and he is the cornerstone and salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind for which man can be saved except for the name of... That's it. And I want to tell you what, I'm about to walk into 2014 and I'm thinking, you know what, what programs need to happen, what processes need to happen, yeah, let's have a lot of coffees with people, what, what, where, how is God going to sort these people into the right spot and these people not, what are we going to do with our new elders, what are we going to do with new ministry team leaders, what are we going to, uh, and you just got to go, stuff all that, what do we need to walk in? I want to be like Peter. Yeah, we've got to walk in Blackheath. That's true. But we've got to walk in the powerful name of Jesus. And I tell you what, there's so many things that are going to try and distract us. They're going to tell you you're something else. You're a car you drive. You're a language you speak. You're a, like, you are something you are. You're a student. You are this, you We've got to come to that place in discipleship with God, the same way Peter did, that he is breaking us and remaking us and resurrecting us and, and shaping us into people who hold on to nothing else but the name of Jesus Christ. Him crucified for us, resurrected for us, and now 
is the power of God for salvation for all who want to believe. That's your credit card. That's your silver and gold. The name of Jesus. The power of the Spirit of Jesus. And what do we need to do? We need to look people in the eyes. Ask them to look back and see Jesus. They're not going to see Jesus if you're not looking at him. Your job is to look at Jesus and invite other people to do the same. If you're not looking at Jesus, we can't live the kind of life Peter was living. Because he holds on to only one thing, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And you know what? I'm feeling like God is starting to loosen the grip I have on some of those things that that distract me, that want to define me, that want to hold me back. And I don't have all the personal applications in my head. I'm just trusting the Spirit of God to show you in your heart. Is there something that is holding you back from looking at Jesus in the face? Don't let apathy and ignorance hold you back. Every time I hear those bells, it reminds me of the church in Germany. They used to hear the bells like that. And the train used to come through and they'd be screaming on the train. But every time they heard those bells, they'd start singing so they didn't hear the screams on the train of the Jewish people going to be executed. That reminds me of apatheticness. Don't be apathetic and settle for mediocrity and go, as long as I'm doing my own thing, things will be okay. We need to be courageous like Peter. We need to go out onto the waters. We need to step up in the face of people who persecute and say, this is who Jesus is and I hold on to him. Are you hearing me? And you know what? You either learn this lesson now or in discipleship you'll learn it the hard way. Jesus might have to put pride out of your hand and hurt you. But he'll do it because he loves you. Or you can do it voluntarily now. Lay it all down. Say, oh, Jesus, I just want you and nothing else in life. Will you pray with me? Oh, Jesus. I'm so inspired by the interactions you had with Peter. Simon Peter. Jesus, we, we read these stories as we start the book of Acts and we see how powerful you used just this one guy, Peter, who preached your first sermon and 5,000 came to faith. I mean, and then just walking to, to share your truth again brings healing. And God, I, I just pray for each and every saint in this room, God, that you would so fill us with your spirit and work by your acts of grace in our life that we would let go of the things that, that are distracting us. We may think about ourselves as what mortgage we have, what money we have, what, what we don't have, who we're dating, who we're not dating, where we live or where we don't live. Lord, all these pressures are constantly trying to take our eyes off you. But Father, I pray by your grace you do a resurrection in our hearts and cause our heart's affection to yield only to Jesus. 
Spirit, I pray for your conviction. If there's anything we're holding on to that, that's idolatry in your sight, that, that, that distracts us from you, I just pray your Spirit would just show us now what that might be. And Jesus, we lay it at your feet. You first, only in our life. Jesus, we want to say, silver and gold we have none, but what I do have I'll give you. That's the powerful name of Jesus. Bring us to that place. Bring us as a church to that place, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen.